All right. Well, hey, hopefully you grabbed the bulletin on the way in. Um, if not, we have a QR code again. We just love putting out these QR codes. So you might want to just start having your whole phone up like the entire service, just videoing it just kind of the whole time, right? But this is a great way to get online and get our sermon notes. You can fill in the blanks. You can actually send a copy to yourself so that we have those for reference for future study. One of the things, I don't know if you knew this or not, but uh, the month of October, they, I, I found this out on Facebook of all places, is uh, National Pastor Appreciation Month. And so since Jason isn't here, I thought I would do us the honor of uh, embarrassing him um, while we're live streaming. Um, and so, right? Because I've got the pulpit today. So I may never have it again, but, uh, <laughs> but I wanted to read from you why we would do this. And so this is not just John wanting to have fun at the pulpit. It's actually very biblical. We read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in verse 12. It says, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are, and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. I want to let you know I've been on staff here since uh, July, and I've known Jason for several years doing mission trips to Africa. And I want to let you know that you have a senior pastor who truly does have a heart after the Lord. He is a man after the Lord's own heart, just like King David. And I want to let you know that one of the things that makes him a great leader is they say that one of the first things, one of the first lessons of leadership is you need to learn how to follow. I can tell you that day in and day out from behind the scenes that your senior pastor follows and loves the Lord daily. Now, I'm not going to tell you he's perfect, and he would be the first to admit that he's not perfect. But I want you to know out of a sincere heart, out of an authentic heart, he leads this body very well. And I thought we could just take a moment and rise and just thank him and say, thank you, Pastor Jason, for everything you do. We love you. And we're following. We're following. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, over the past couple of months, we've had a couple series here, and this has all been extremely, in, you know, intentional, hence part of our sermon today. We started in the book of James, where we found out that the goal of the Christian life was to mature in Christ, okay? That, that James was extremely, in, he was in wanting to just emphasize this so much, that we needed to mature in Christ, that our lack of immaturity was just detrimental to the gospel, to the growth of the church, and to our own well-beings, as, because we're not growing up in him. And then we followed that series with this series, Next Step Church. And part of that is, is how we as a body are meant to be growing towards that maturity. And in that, you know, Jason created this amazing eye chart that none of us can read, right? And so we've got this beautiful eye chart here where we've got, you know, worship, learn, and serve. It goes along with our mission and vision. But we got, again, we've got Jesus as Lord, Jesus in community, Jesus as members church. And for the last couple weeks, we've been focusing on learning. Two weeks ago, we had a message on incidental transformation. This was that just by immersing yourself with the body of Christ, coming to church regularly, attending regularly, participating regularly in the services and the worship and the different activities of the church, you, when you align yourself and walking in the light of the Lord, you just get this light that shines over you, and you start to just think a little different. You start to talk a little different. You start your mannerisms start to change. You're not doing anything intentional except for showing up, and God continues to do a work in you. But as Jason spoke last week, we know that that's not wholly sufficient. That's part of the process. It gets us started, but that's not the end of the game. 
All right. Last week, Pastor Jason spoke on intentional transformation. And this is where we have a responsibility as believers to partner with the workings of God in our transformation. Now, God does all the heavy lifting. He does all the transforming. Our part to play is by faith, is to put the work in. Kind of like a farmer, sowing the seeds in the field. Okay, you've got to put the seeds out there, and you've got to water it, you've got to weed it, you've got to do those things. But God brings the water, the rains, and God brings the growth. Okay, so this is part of that intentional transformation. And Jason also brought in the Johari window that helps show us kind of like part of the areas that hinder us from growing is the fact that we're unknown. We hide in the darkness with our sins, and we're afraid to expose those, and therefore we get pris- we're trapped by that as prisoners. So being in community helps us to open up some of our trust, to share some of our hurts, some of our bents, some of our problems, and also allow people to speak into our blind spots so that we can continue to grow more and more like Christ. But I want to take you back to this, the, the, the first picture here. There's something that's been, that hasn't been missing. It's just been quiet. We haven't spoken much about it. There's a missing partner. There's a missing person. Part of that intentional transformation is involving two people. Us and the bride of Christ. The church has a responsibility to equip you as part of your sanctification process. And so with that comes our first observation. Our first observation is this. It is the church's responsibility to equip you for ministry by preaching and teaching the full counsel of God's word. Now notice what that says. It is the church's responsibility. The church has been tasked with the duty to equip the saints. Okay? Who are the saints? Who are the saints? Ah, yeah, I see it. Right. It's you. It's me. Every believer is a saint. That means our role as a church is to equip you. Not just your neighbor, not just the pastors, not just the deacons, not just the missionaries, not the evangelists, to equip you right where you're at. There's a saying that we used to have at my old church. I love the saying. I bring it with me here. I'm just the pastor, but you all are the ministers. Let's try that again. I'm just the pastor. You all are the ministers. One more time. I'm just the pastor. You all are the that's right. You are the ministers. Okay? Let's take a look at a couple scriptures. The first one, we find this in Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 13. It reads, And he himself, that would be Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ, until we all reach unity of the faith, and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with stature measured by Christ's fullness. There it is. You see that? The purpose of the church, to equip the saints. Notice it doesn't say the purpose of the church is to do all the ministry. The purpose of the pastors, the purpose of the deacons, the purpose of these people, they do all the work and everybody else just comes and attends. No, that's not what it says. We are to equip you, the ministers, for the works of service. Notice the order there, how it's mentioned. To equip the saints for the work of ministry... To build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity of the faith and the knowledge of the God's Son, going to maturity. You notice that you don't have to be perfect to start being equipped for good works? Do you notice that? It doesn't say, once you all reach maturity of faith, then we can equip you to go do something with your faith. No. 
The moment you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are thrust into the ministry as a, as a minister of the gospel. If nothing else, you have your testimony. Your testimony is powerful. You've got that. Right off the bat, we see the believers in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Right when they came to faith, they were proclaiming the goodness of Christ. They hadn't learned diddly. And yet they were proclaiming what they did know, and that was Jesus. Another scripture we find, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Be diligent to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed, correctly teaching the word of truth. Emphasis here, how does the church equip the saints? Primarily, the ministry of the word, teaching the word of truth. Again, in Acts 20, verses 26 and 27. Therefore, I declare to you this day that I, I am innocent of the blood of all of you because I did not avoid declaring to you the whole plan of God. The whole plan of God. Okay, some of you might be like, what is the whole plan of God that the church is responsible for equipping us in? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because I'm here to, to give you the answer. That leads us to our second observation point. What's the whole plan of God? Well, this plan, this process involves solidifying core beliefs, building up Christian character, and teaching the necessary competencies for spiritual growth. The process involves solidifying core beliefs, that's the mind, building up the Christian character, one's heart, and teaching the necessary competencies for spiritual growth. It's the hands and feet of Christ. That's the full counsel. That's what our role is as a church. Well, what are those core beliefs? Core beliefs, are a few of them would be, we want to make sure that you know these things. We want you to know that the Bible is true. That is our authority. The authority that this church rests on is the Scriptures, period. You want to know where we get our authority? The Scriptures. And so when we're teaching, it's on the authority of the Scriptures. When we're loving, it's by the authority of the Scriptures. When we have to correct, by the authority of the Scriptures. If we must rebuke, by the authority of the Scriptures. The Scriptures is our authority. We also believe that it's important to have good belief on God. Who is God? And so the doctrine of the Trinity is essential. God is three in one, Father, Son, and Spirit. We also think it's important that you understand the situation of mankind, that mankind was born into sin, that he's helpless apart from God to do anything about that condition. And with that, only by the grace of God do we have a pathway through faith to be saved, be made new. It's also important to understand Baptism, what role that plays. Our views as a Baptist church, what those views are. Also understand the process of transformation, which we're in the middle of going through that study right now. Understanding how we get transformed. You know, so that way we don't sit. You know, John at 30 is not the same man at 50. I'm going one way. I guarantee you I'm not sitting stagnant. The question is, which way am I going? Am I reflecting more and more of the world? Or am I reflecting more and more of Christ? I'll get into this later. And of course, family. The importance of God's family here as a body of Christ, but also as our only family, as our families at home. How to be husbands and wives. How to parent our kids. How to have conflict resolution. These things, right? These are important to know. In addition to that, Christian character. Who you are as a person. That heart, that transformed heart. While the previous of the core beliefs was renewed mind, this is transformation of heart. You know, do you manifest the fruits of the Spirit? And if so, how do you learn to do that? How do you yield yourself to what the Holy Spirit wants to do through the Scriptures to bring about 
the fruits of the Spirit in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, self-control, graciousness, hope, humility. This is what we would hope the Spirit would produce in us. He does the producing, but we have a part to play in being a vessel used to be transformed. Furthermore, we have our competencies that the church is equip us in. This is what you do. Again, and this is not for your own sake. Okay? God expects the blessings that he wants to provide you, to equip you, to build you up, are not to stay with you. God has always been one who wants to bless us so we can be a blessing to others. He gifts us with spiritual gifts and company so that we can pass it forward, move the chain forward, bless others. Things like this would be Bible study, how to study the Bible. That's a skill. Okay? While the Holy Spirit's our teacher, there are skills that are needed in order to properly interpret and apply the Scriptures. Community, how to do community. In today's day and age with social media, we've lost the ability to know how to have relationships. Nobody knows how to work through difficult times. It's just a click, I defriend you, I'm done. And so we see that in our relationships, we see it in our marriages. Click, I'm done. I defriend my spouse, I'm out of here. Because we've lost the ability to know how to have conflict, how to work through that, how to have disagreement and yet still be one. And so the, the church can be a place to help teach you those things. Teaching compassion, to care for those, to evangelize, to share the gospel. If I asked you right now, could you, within three minutes, could you share the gospel with me? If I asked you to come up to the States, how many of you would be running for the door? That would scare you. Why? Why would it scare you to share the gospel? But we want to train you how to do that. So it's, it's like, I'd be happy to share the gospel. Thank you. Discipleship. Understanding how to disciple. Understanding the importance of generosity. Prayer. Having a first kingdom citizenship well above our second kingdom citizenship here as, as Americans. Utilizing our spiritual gifts. How to put those into practice. And, of course, how to worship. And so this all leads, as you can see, if we've got the core beliefs, the Christian character and the competencies, that leads us to our third observation, number three. The aim of all of this is to help you think more like Jesus, feel more like Jesus, and live more like Jesus. Hmm. Oh, it sounds a little familiar. I'll say it again, though. The aim of all of this, why, what is our focus? Where are we going with this? Why is the church supposed to do all this stuff? To help you, the minister, think more like Jesus, feel more like Jesus, and live more like Jesus. You know, we are, our, that's our vision statement. To love, learn, and live like Jesus. So I want you to know that God's Word, the Holy Bible, is the center, is the foundation of all of our equipping ministries. Okay? Let's review that. 2 Timothy 3.16 All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Teaching doctrine. Teaching truth. If the church doesn't teach truth, then where are we going to find it? And the church had better teach the truth of God found in the scriptures, not their own truth. So it's important that our equipping be centered on God's word. 
The church also equips by rebuking. When we're in error, we need the church to let us know, hey, brother, hey, sister, we love you, but that is wrong. That's not the truth. That's actually doctrinally false. That's actually unbiblical. That's actually a lie from Satan. We love you, and we want you to grow. We don't want this to stunt your growth or to cause hurt, and so we're going to lovingly rebuke. Correct. Through the scriptures, we can say, you know, I know what your heart was. I knew you intended to do this. Let me show you in the scriptures how to do this a better way. This is what was intended with that scripture. If any of you have sat time with me and when I'm counseling with you, a lot of times I'll listen to things you're talking about. I'll hear your heart. I want to connect with your heart. But then I might offer some corrections on how to look at those scriptures, how to apply those, and maybe give you a different, a different perspective on how to take what your heart is and apply it with grace and truth. Jesus came in the fullness of grace and truth, and shouldn't our ministry, shouldn't our responses, shouldn't the way we live be filled with grace and truth? And a lot of times what happens, well-meaning Christians like myself, we lean heavily on the truth or we lean heavily on the grace. Truth by without grace is hard. That's hard. That's like a brick. Bam. Grace with no truth is soft. It's just like a piece of velvet. Somewhere in the middle, we try to wrap bricks with velvet. Hopefully more velvet so it's a little softer. But the whole point of that is to correct and love. And then, of course, also training in righteousness. How do we know how to do certain things? How do you know how to reconcile with your spouse biblically or reconcile with anybody? How do you know how to share the gospel? What are the key elements of the gospel? How do we know how to disciple? How do we know how to study? Any of these things are training in righteousness. And again, the whole point of that Second Timothy, right? What was the end goal? Thoroughly equipped for what? To do something. To do ministry. It wasn't thoroughly equipped to have a bunch of knowledge, put a, a certificate on my wall and say, look at that. I know Bible facts. So what? Even the demons know Bible facts. You do anything with that? You doing any good works with it? That's the whole point. Let's look at Romans 12. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in the view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Okay, that's just worth reading again. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Another translation say this is your true act of spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So I mentioned earlier, which John do I want to be? Okay. So I came to faith at 19 years old. Never been to church in my life, didn't know anything about God or anything. I was a 19-year-old sailor, excited to serve my country, had a little bit of hair that I could shave, just a young kid, 17. A couple years in, they sent me to a school. I happened to go to an electronics school, working on F-18s, with a Marine, young Marine who was zealous for Christ, just loved the Lord. And so during our breaks, we would... Uh, play some chess while we're waiting for the next session to happen. And he would just talk about his faith, talk about Jesus. And he was so 
friendly about it. He wasn't pushy. He wasn't judgmental. He just shared from a pure heart. And over the course of months while we were going to school, he kept sharing more and more. At the very end, him and his wife invited me over for dinner before we left school, and they asked me to receive Jesus. They shared the gospel, and, and I gladly received it. Didn't have a clue about anything doctrinally. I just knew that Jesus loved me. I knew that he, he died on the cross for my sins. And if I ask him for forgiveness, he'll forgive me my sins, and I'll have eternal life. Okay, I'm in. So I said the prayer. Unfortunately, I didn't know I was supposed to go to church. We never got to that part of the next step. It was that we graduated school, and I went back to Naval Air Station, Fallon, Nevada, from California. So I just knew I had this, oh, yeah, I got to get out of hell card. Okay, so I'll go be a sailor. And I did. And I come out of the Navy, I go to school, I start working. I meet my wife, and we're trying to live life, and I, we're just destroying, well, I'm, just, I'm making a mess of everything. This is 30-year-old John is worse off than 17-year-old John. We finally went to church. God changed everything. For the first time, I heard the word of God, and I realized I'm home. I didn't even know I was missing this. I didn't even know I was supposed to be missing this. And so we did a study, a Rick Warren study, on 40 Days of Purpose. And in that study, it says if any of you have maybe drifted away, maybe fallen away, maybe recommit your life. And so I did. I recommitted my life. I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I know what it means to be AWOL in the military. That's something you just don't do. And for 13 years of my life, I was AWOL. And my character reflected that of not being in the church, not being in the Word, not being of God. My wife, God bless her soul, we're going to church, and she's talking about the messages and, and feeling the, the kind of this, this nudge to want to receive Christ. And she's asking me, do you ever get that nudge? And I'm like, no, I'm good, but I pray every week you do. She's like, whoa, what do you mean? Oh, yeah, when I was in the Navy, I accepted Jesus. You did? You know, this is my wife. Didn't even know I was a Christian. Tells you what a Christian I was, right? But I had recommitted my life, and yet we were so tight that I, I made sure I didn't even share that with her. <laughs> didn't even share it with her. The point of all that, is from that moment forward, that 30-year-old John started a process in my life and I couldn't stop because God now had me and I was his. Okay? And so now fast forward, I'm 51 now. I still got a long ways to go, y'all. I am not claiming anything more than just God is gracious. But the John I am today looks nothing like the John I was at 20. Shows a lot of growth from when I was at, 20, at 30. Even a little more growth from 40. And I pray that as I continue each decade, there's more and more John that's coming to the table than less and less of, I mean, I'm sorry, more and more Jesus and less and less of John. There was an old saint that I had the privilege of uh, knowing. And one of the things he said was, you know, John, the older I get, the less and less concerned I am for what I have or have not done, and the more concern I have for who I have or have not become. I'll say that again. This old saint. The older I get, the less and less concern I have for what I have or have not done, and for who, more so, for who I have or have not become. And what he's saying was, John, I, at that time, I was zealous. I wanted to conquer hell with a squirt gun. Let's go. Jesus, you need me on your team. Get me off the bench. I'm your man. Put me in. It was all about John. 
I was so zealous. And I had to learn, like, hey, God's more interested in your character. He's going to put you to work, but not the expense of your character. Allow him to manifest in you his son. And in that, you go do the things. But don't wait for that fullness, because that's going to be a lifetime. So get busy doing while you're, while you're working on, on you. Next passage. Oh, wait, back up, sorry. Another thing here on Romans 12. The conformed or transformed. Those are passive. It says be conformed or be transformed. You're going to be one. The question is where you put yourself. If you do nothing, you will be conformed to the world. If you put yourself in church and you participate, you'll be transformed. But there's no standing still for the Christian. You're one or the other. Matthew, 20, uh, Matthew 6. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay, notice where your treasure is. All right, we want to help you have your treasure in heaven. Your treasure in, in, in that will be eternal, that will not rot, that will not be stolen. You don't have to worry about it. Put your treasure there. It's where your heart is. And then out of that will come the wants to do things for Jesus. Matthew seven twenty four. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. Notice that, acts on that. Not just listeners of the word, doers of the word. We talked about this extensively in James. All right, so what's next? Next slide. All right, so now we're going to be getting into next week, we're going to be talking about serve, serving our church, serving our community, serving our world. Part of this pathway doesn't stop with us coming to Christ, getting into a church, getting into transformation, beginning that. It doesn't stop because we haven't yet put things into practice. We now need to start doing something with how we're becoming. We've got to do with, with our who. Okay, you like that? We're going to do with our who. Yeah, that's the best you get from me. All right, so some applications. First of all, this is the church's responsibility. This is what we are tasked with doing. We will continue to preach and teach the full counsel of God's word from this pulpit. A lot of our ministries are going to have sermon-based discussions. Okay, the value of that is huge because it's from the pulpit that God leads each individual church. And so if you're not consistently dieting off of the food from the pulpit, then you're missing out on what God's trying to do for the body of Christ at this church. If you're off on your own things all the time and you're not paying attention to this, you're not studying this, then you're this rogue sheep that's doing their own trail. And the church is moving this way and you're moving that way. So it's so important to tune in and participate and be active in what we're providing. The second one is we're going to create safe places and we have safe places for you to join a Christian community. We've got a lot of different opportunities coming up, and I'll talk more about that in a moment. Number three, we're going to provide diversified offerings aimed at teaching core beliefs, Christian character, and competencies. We're going to continue to build up more courses and more classes to offer these different segments of your growth. That's what we're trying to do and what we're working on. But what can you do? Number one, you need to participate fully in the preaching and teaching. You have to be here. Okay? This is different than home. I love you all that are at home, but it is better to be here if you can, to be amongst the body here. You've got to be here. And then participate fully. When we sing, we sing. It's okay to raise your hands up to God. Doesn't he say for the men, wish you'd raise up your hands to the Lord rather than raising up fists, fighting about everything that you see in the world? It's okay to sing. It's okay. Sing a joyful noise. At least for the Lord to be joyful. Let's sing. And then study. Take notes. And go through those sermon questions. Uh, uh, next one. 
find a community. We are building a lot of communities. So um, one of the things I'm working on is I'm working on a ministry called Starting Point. It's going to start up in January. Starting Point would be a safe place to begin your journey. If you've got questions about Christianity, questions about Jesus, questions about how to just get started again, I want to create a safe place for you that you can have that. We've got a great ministry called Connections. It's to help you say, hey, I'm, I'm in, but now I want to know how to get more connected. How do I get started with a small group or a different class or different things like that? I want you to join us for Connections. It meets during the second service. Jens Anderson and Aaron Anderson lead that class. Great place to have fun and get to start building community. We've got Sunday schools that meet at 830. We have life groups that we're going to start up this January. So one of the announcements we'll have later is about life groups. That's our small groups, home-based small groups. And then we have Wednesday night discipleships. And then last but not least, we want you to have a balanced diet. A balanced spiritual diet. So this is important. This is something that you need to own. We're going to offer a lot of things for you. But it's your responsibility to make sure you're getting a balance of things. Okay? So I know some people that would love to just be in Bible study, Bible study, Bible study, Bible study, Bible study, Bible study. I think that's great with one exception. Some of the meanest, nastiest, most non-Christian people are smarter in their Bible knowledge than I am. There is nothing about their character to manifest anything of Christ, but boy, they can tear you apart with doctrine. That's an unbalanced soul. Okay? I know some people that are amazing ministers of the Spirit. They minister and they love and they do so well. But they're, they're lacking on some Bible knowledge, some theology. Some of that doctrine, some lies they believe is hurting their, their, their transformation. We want to have them be balanced. And then we all have areas of our lives where, we, yeah, we've got good doctrine. And we've got good fruits of the Spirit. But we're doing nothing with our faith. We, we want to equip you for ministry. So we want to put you to work for the kingdom. So we want to make sure you're getting a balance of theology, Bible, heart, doctrine, and application. So that's what we're here to do. The church is to partner with you to help you grow in Christ. The question is, will you partner with us? Will you partner with us? Let me pray. Father, I thank you so much for your, your, your word. Thank you that it is our authority in life. Thank you that we can rest upon that truth and that we can build up your bride, the church. Father, help your bride to be a radiant just beautiful bride, full of your truth, full of your grace. And I pray that you would help us to respond, to participate, to partner with her in our transformation. Help us to be more and more like Christ with each passing day and help our old nature be less and less. Father, we love you. We're excited for the things you've got planned for this church and for us. And we're looking forward to you showing off and, and showing up the way you do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.